I'm Allie J. And I'm Crystal O. And welcome to Not Your Token Black Girl, where we recover from spreading black girl magic wherever we go. From careers and cocktails to men and mental health, we're breaking it all down on what it means to wear the token crown. So if you've ever said, I'm not your token, fill in the blank, then this podcast is for you. A fun and witty show that's a little bit shady, but 100% true. It's Saturday brunch combo with the girls in a quick 20 minutes. Now let's get started. It's season two of Not Your Token Black Girl. And on this episode, we're tackling the exhausting task of tokenship and the problem with the token mindset. Okay, so when we started talking about the podcast, we tossed out a lot of different topics or titles. I should say a lot of, we were talking about topics and titles, but um, coming up with a name was, I think, harder than expected. I know me and Brianna, we had stuff all over our whiteboard and trying to figure out what's trending right now, you know, what is going to be popular now and also possibly in the future. We had everything from like pleasant and petty to like tea like you know all of the like trending topics yeah um but when I don't I can't remember how we landed on not your token black girl but um it's kind of like once that option came out for a title I was like I like that um because I know you and I have had conversations where especially being in college where there weren't a lot of black people on campus um, and just how we grew up and kind of being in our social circles, oftentimes we are the only one. Um, So I think that's kind of how we landed on not your token black girl. I know at first we were thinking your token black girl, but then adding the not kind of took some of that power back. Like just because you only have one black female friend that's not my fault. It's not my issue. Yeah. Um, my burden to carry. I mean, I remember when we were talking about it and it was even, we had the discussion cause you were going to do shady, but true. Cause that's like yeah. definitely the vibe at all moments. Like you say what you mean, <laughs> mean what you say. And when you told me, I was like, okay, I'm into that. Like your brand, that is, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And when you told me like, you know, let's do not your token black girl. And we started discussing the idea of that. I think at the time, Remember I was telling you, I was like, I realized that in some of my circles, I'm the only black friend and I don't want to, like, I don't like that. I need to, like, I want to uncover why these people that I've become close to don't have a lot of black friends. I'm like, you know, Austin is not as diverse. Like there's not a huge population of black people, but you should still have more than one black friend. And so when you brought me not your token black girl, I was on this whole wave and I was like, (laughs) you know what? That's my thing right now. Like, I'm not like, I'm not the token for you. Okay. That's not a thing, you know? So I think that, you know, and that kind of leads into the whole idea of tokenism and how we have experienced it, especially in college. Like we had one black professor at the time right? It's just Dr. Moore at the time. I think we got another one in the sociology department right before you left. Did we? But yeah, well, he wasn't tenure. Oh, okay. Not at all. See what I'm saying? (laughs) No, but that, I mean, so wasn't present enough for people to, for everybody to know that we had more than one. Yeah. I mean, for the longest, it was just Dr. Moore. And I remember 
um, there being an instance where like the school was put in as far as diversity that they had uh, a certain like 2% or something uh, professors of color or something. And it was like, no, you, you have one, you have one professor of color yeah, or one black, one professor. black professor. Right. right. So, um, you know, I remember just being in certain classes, especially cause we did a lot of digging into diversity and whatever. Yep. And I'm the only person that's black in the class. You had all these white folks diver- dissected wow. diversity. Looking yeah, at I you. I remember just <laughs> people looking at me and I think that's a lot of people's experience especially you know if you don't go to a HBCU or you don't live grow up in a community that's like with a lot of black people around like you get looked at as oh well you're the black person in here you probably know what we're talking about or you probably know you can speak for that community yeah it's like nah 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 I can only speak for myself yeah I thought I just find it so interesting that when we're talking about the history of America and how American school children learn all of that. No one turns to the white guys in the class and says, well, how does that make you feel? Or no one does that. But I specifically remember in a, like a communications and culture class, um, we were talking about um, Mark Twain. We were, we were going through his work and obviously he uses the N where he is using language that was, prevalent for his time and I felt like all of the eyes were on me whenever we came to that part or we had to dissect it and I'm like no you maybe look at yourself because he's somebody's great great grandfather in here why are you looking at me to say how my entire race feels when it's you that should be looking internally so I just find it interesting that people who are quote unquote, other, not white, always have to carry the burden, um, whether it be the only female, the only black, the only Latina, whatever the case may be, because you're not the majority, it's now your burden to carry the whole, the whole representation of whatever other you're representing, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you know, I think, um, when, when we talk about just the whole idea of tokenism, right? I think it's important to know to like the almost like meshing of tokenism and diversity, right? Like, yeah. I feel like people don't understand the difference sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, and that language, you know, we dealt with all that in college and then I felt like it trickled into our careers. Oh, for sure. You know, sure. and like, at times, and I know we've talked about this a lot, because I, you know, you have like a feeling sometimes, especially when you go into, like when you're trying to grow in your career and working for organizations that you are again, once again, in another scenario, the only black person. Yeah. And then you have colleagues around you that feel like, you know, you're there for because of, you know, the the diversity play, right? Like, yeah. I feel like I hear that a lot, or you're growing because of that. Yeah. Or, and it would offend me. Like, I always felt this sense. And I know from being young, we're always taught, like, you got to do more. You got to go hard. Like, you have yeah. to do better. Twice is better. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like that's why, like, I'm, I'm doing good and I'm pushing. So that's why I should be moving. But then you have this, like, air of people around you that are like, well, she's getting there because they have to do 
the diversity thing and because yeah. she's just token and I'm like, I think um, that's always been like, so like a conundrum for me for lack of a better word, right? Like yeah. I just, it bothers me. Yeah, because I, I think you raise a good point looking at the difference between tokenism versus diversity, especially in the climate that is this whole racial uproar. I, in an earlier yeah. conversation, you called it a racial renaissance yeah, or racial reckoning, right? So affirmative mm -hmm. action, that all of those policies were originally introduced in the 1960s to prevent hiring discrimination based on race, right? You're okay, yeah. And then later they said, okay, let's also start including gender. And so today, now it encompasses color, race, sex, religion, national origin. And so it became a way of companies being able to check the box and saying, okay, yes, we have a black person. Yes, we have a Latino. Yes, we have a Latina. Um, and we have all of the, so to speak, others, if you will. But checking the, by organizations checking those boxes, it is how we got to this environment of tokenism, right? Yeah. Which is, a, a, I guess, a pit, if you will, on the way to true diversity. Yes, you have to start with one, but that's the issue with tokenism. You think you're done with one. You need to keep going to hit the true diversity and inclusion. One isn't enough, right? In 2020, we shouldn't be having the first African-American fill in the blank, the first Latina fill in the blank. The fact oh that God. it was 2008 and we had the first black president, that was something to celebrate, but it should have also made us as a country step back and say, okay, why in the hell in 200 years have just white men been leading? Like, does no one see a problem with that? Yeah. So I think tokenism is a step in the right direction because it shows that you are aware and you're willing to let one in. Now we need to blast through tokenism and let more than one come in. It's not about just checking the boxes. It's about true inclusion. Yeah, I think the, you know, the token piece is really about, it's like the, the symbol. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like making, making a symbolic effort, right? Yes. Like that's, but not really taking like an action towards creating diversity. It's a checklist. So I think that's what the distinction is. Mm -hmm. It's like symbols versus action. Yeah. Um, and you know, I like to read, I think we have to, right? Like start reading between the lines and seeing who's actually doing that. Like, I think we deal with it a lot with even putting the Black Lives Matter signs within the streets, but then not doing the steps above that to make sure that police brutality is not happen, happening, yes. right? Which is why, so it's like all these little things that are intertwined. And I think as black women, we have such an intersectional like experience from yes. everybody else too, that it's yes. like, I don't, you know, I already have other things that, I, that I'm dealing with that I don't want to be the token in any situation, you know? Like, yeah. I'm, I, I deserve to be here. I'm achieving. I'm doing things. I'm not the token or the, the diversity play, you know? Yes. And I think companies, not just companies, organizations, groups, educational institutions, whatever, need to be very careful in the climate that we're in today because it's so great to see a lot of the country waking up and realizing that, hey, Black yeah. people actually do matter and we should probably stop shooting them for fun. 
Um, but it does need to be a trend, right? I think mm -hmm. if it's a trend, then it stays in that tokenism spot. You just did this because it was good for promotions. It was good for revenue. Diversity has to be, it's a hard, it's an ethical thing at that point. You go from this is good for the bottom line with tokenism versus this is just the right thing to do. That's diversity and inclusion. Um, so I find it very interesting, and I think we're in a double-edged sword. I find it very interesting that companies like um, Facebook and Instagram and um, even smaller companies are saying, you know, yes, Black Lives Matter. I know Amazon, Jeff Bezos is famous for outing people that send him messages saying you shouldn't be saying Black Lives Matter. I appreciate that. But why weren't you doing it before George Floyd's death? Are you yeah. doing it after it falls off the media cycle? So I, I, I'll be curious to see, and maybe we have a follow-up episode, maybe six months, 12 months down the line, where we're further removed from the one incident that kind of sparked and ignited all of these um, walks and, and protests and all of that to see who's really still doing the work because it's never ending until there's true equality. Um, or who was just using it as a market play, which they're still in that tokenism box of we're checking the boxes. Yeah. Exactly. And using Black Lives Matter as a symbol rather than yeah. a That like symbol of I'm not racist wouldn't actually, it's like, okay, no, there's some, there's some, what is it? Uh, covert racism in there. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the right word I'm using. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's another added layer, right, mm -hmm. to tokenism is that, you know, you're doing these symbolic things, but there's still that covert racism that's like ingrained in the action that you're taking. Yeah. And really, I think as long as, and I think that there's this new wave of people that are like educating themselves on these different things and how to go about it. And I think it yeah. takes work on both ends of the spectrum, right? But you know, I don't know. I've been, I think this is a big topic that we've talked about a lot and we experience it so much that for sure that was also a reason we were like, we're going to start our own businesses. Right. And we're exactly. going to empower the women around us to eat too. You know, right. like, come on, ain't no token in your work. Is it in your right. work? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. We are anti-token. Uh, yeah. Not a thing. So, so um, this. How do you feel about reverse discrimination, right? Because in tokenism, coming out of affirmative action, um, people are saying, you know, yes, it's good for us to leave space for traditionally um, underserved or underrepresented groups. But now, and even as recently as July of this year, um, a group of white students sued the University of Texas for not getting in, saying it's because they're white. I know previously there was Abigail Fisher out of Houston sued UT for the same thing in 08, and just recently the Supreme Court ruled against her. Um, so you have, and I mean, I've heard it in my career, oh, Crystal got that because she's Black. I'm going to talk to someone because I feel like if I hadn't been a white man or if I hadn't been a white female, it would have gone to me. Do you believe that there is reverse discrimination? Girl, no. <laughs> and I know we talked about this. It's no reverse rate. Like you can't, 
how can we the oppressed be racist against the people that this shit is built to serve yes. like it's not we built it and we it don't even benefit us right you know what i'm saying Ooh, like clutch. We they don't have built so many systems like so many systems to benefit white folks right for i just can't think of a good way uh, a way to say it besides white people yeah, that's white fair. but um there's been so many systems that are built towards pushing them forward you know like how i just there's just no reverse racism i like hate speaking on that point specifically because i know there's so many arguments and i'm not as researched enough to know how to articulate that to the no, platform fair. So, but I will, my stance is that that's not a thing. Like, sorry, white people, we're not discriminating against you, you know? I 100% agree. And I think you you hit the nail right on the head. We live in a nation and a world with systems and laws and just processes in place to benefit white bodies. So people that are not white, that are forced to exist and operate um, within a system purposely built to benefit others, even if they're not built to not benefit you, they aren't built to benefit you. You see what I'm saying? Like, even if you're a neutral, right? So blacks, black and brown people, these systems were not built in our favor. I think there are some races where they can kind of, they play a more neutral role. So um, for example, I feel like Asians, while they are minority, they don't experience the same trauma as black and brown people. No. Systems put in place around the globe, thanks to Europe, um, was not built for their benefit, right? They they were the Far East. We weren't. They weren't really focused on them. And then you have white people, who it was their ancestors who went out and conquered the world and put systems in place for their benefit. So there's kind of yeah. buckets that you can fit in. If you're in the most disadvantaged bucket, how therefore can you play and overturn a system built on centuries of oppression? for someone who is in the category that it's built to benefit. I think that is the most out of touch, privileged, Karen-ish type comment that a white person can make. When they say, oh, you only got it because, because that is diminishing the work that that black or brown person had to do because I'm always thinking I have to be two or three times better than you for them to notice me. that diminishes all of that extra work. It downplays the historical trauma and it also downplays the historical head start that white people have had. So I agree a hundred percent that there is no such thing as reverse racism, reverse discrimination. Um, Now what's kind of a catch 22 with affirmative action and just tokenism in general, what affirmative action was trying to fix originally was based on race the data shows today that the people benefiting the most from it are white women, which they are women, they're not white males, I get it. But historically speaking, white women 
haven't had to fight nearly as many battles as black women, Latinas, indigenous women. Um, and so that was a little frustrating that they have been able to play the system um, to reap the most benefit when it wasn't originally designed to protect them. It was designed um, for black and brown people to have a safe space and a, and a chance. Yeah, but I think that that's what happens, you know, because like I said, it's an, it, we as black women, it, we're on both sides of, of things, right? With like the the women's movement and then being black and like having that experience. And so we all get, we get roped into both sides. So it's like, I'm a woman, so I want to stand up for these women's rights and I want to do this. And I feel like this is so important, but it's like, also I'm a black person and I'm, I want to make sure that this benefits me and that I'm pushing myself forward in this movement as well. And yeah. so it's like, yeah, white women do get, a, I, I feel like that, you know, that makes sense that they would get roped into the affirmative action thing and have been able to benefit from it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's just another thing that kind of makes it tough and feel unfair Yeah, in a sense. Um, you know, because we still have that. No one ever tells the the white woman in the position that, oh, you're you you're moving up, or you should be the chief diversity officer, or you know, like nobody's telling them that because they assume that they got in for affirmative action. They're like, oh, they must go hard. They must work exactly, or they got into that school because of affirmative action. No, they're not doing that to them. It it's mostly to black people yeah. and then we have both sides like being black being a woman it's so. stressful life but someone's got to do it this and make it thing. look flawless but these people is learning they're trying to grow like i'm consistently trying to provide books and resources like the rest Darn. of the internet because <laughs> i think that is good like everybody just needs to start like, I'm trying not to use bad words, but like, everybody needs to fucking read, okay? Like, <laughs> let's just all, even myself, myself included, like, just, yeah. we gotta get a better understanding of the world that we live in and a, a smart way to fight the battles that we're, that, that are in front of us, you know? Like, yeah. I, I do, you know, I get off of social media a lot because I have to work in it. So I unplug from that. And it used to be I'd spend my, special time like my my time off of work I would spend it on social catching up and doing whatever yeah. but now it's like no I need to spend my time reading and educating myself on these things that are going on around me so yeah. that I'm ready to fight with my words when yeah. things come up and when I am able to be around people and be around these different um races because I don't want it to be like a no I don't want to interact with white people no more it's a, a it's an odd experience I want to be able to answer and intelligently have give them responses you know yeah like on why what you're doing doesn't work for me like yeah. and why this is what what we're fighting for you know yeah like this it, this is just the time like I start thinking back to all the things that happened in college all the things that happened before in high school after college like and I'm like you know what that was actually racist <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying yeah. Like, and I was never quick to call. I feel like we never call people out racist or whatever, but I did. I, did I mean, you that. probably did, but I didn't, I just didn't, so unless strange. I heard something that was overt racism, like, yeah. can nobody ever say the N word around me? No. Um, if, 
yo hue ain't close to mine sorry like <laughs> not a thing like you will get like shut down real quick right. in front of everybody right i did it recently actually before pre-covid it was the whole situation at the bar yeah don't get so, cute that kind of stuff but it's only i was only responding to overt things you know yeah. and now i feel a responsibility i'm gonna call you out if there's those like subtle things as well you yeah. know like don't i don't want to hear anything about oh you sound smart or like none of that little stuff you know those like little subtle things that are really racist that you're saying like don't say that shit around me because no, it is fair. my time to call people out you know it's your time honey but i check myself as well and if i wasn't checking myself i wouldn't check other people that's fair because um the other day I was scrolling through Instagram and I sent a message to my sister and I was like, oh, this woman is my spirit animal. And she was like, we're not saying that anymore. I said, oh, yeah. Spirit animal? And she's like, yeah. I said, okay, why? Um, and that's when she schooled me on how it is offensive to indigenous Americans. Yeah. I had no idea. So I think it is so, so you made such a good point that I'm checking people just like I'm checking myself. Mm -hmm. I had, that was a reality check for me. I didn't know it. I was ignorant and now I'm not. And so I've cut it out. So I think that you raised such a good point. Just like we're out here holding other people accountable. We have to hold ourselves accountable once we are, become more educated. It's a constant, it's a continuous learning process. And I don't think learning is ever done, especially when you're learning more about our world and the people that live in it. I had no idea that saying something or someone was my spirit animal yeah. could be and is offensive to indigenous people. And so now it's out of my vocabulary. And um, my sister, she was on a previous um, episode in season one. She is 5'3 and is a spitfire and she'll call you out every single time. So I told her I appreciated that because I, I've been going around for years talking about spirit animal this spirit animal this not realizing that i could have been possibly offending people um no. so I think once you as as you read more as you experience more as you take in more knowledge not only is it your responsibility to check others and share that knowledge and information but it's also crucial that you change your ways if what you're learning requires that yeah and i think it's great to have the that we now you know the I think I've said this probably a billion times, but the seeds, you know, are planted. Yeah. They have sprouted. So if you can't see and you're not trying to see, then move around. That's a problem at this yeah. point, you know. Um, and so I think that allows for a more comfortability. And especially with my friend circle, I've had a lot of conversations and I'm happy that I have had yep. the opportunity to just be like, yo, this is where I am with everything. And I would love to know, like have open dialogue about like, where are you at stuff? And how do you feel? Because you've said this before and I never really thought about it, Yeah. but now I'm thinking about it. And I want you to know that that's not what you do. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, I tell people the same thing. I'm like, if you love me and we're cool, like make sure you call me out as well. Exactly. You know? Like that's the only thing, the only way things work. And I'm open to that, you know, yeah. but I'm never going to, you know, at this point in my life and the way that I feel like I've evolved just in quarantine, I feel like the growth is just girl on a, on a whole nother level. Grow from being yes, locked down. From, 
growth, okay? <laughs> but like, I feel like I've gotten to this point where it's very no nonsense and it's very much so like, you know, I want people to, to know, I want to be overt about how I feel. Where yeah. before I've always just kind of been like, whatever, like I'm just chill about pretty much everything. Like I never make a problem, but now it's like, yeah. okay, just so it's clear, this right. is where I'm at. And you gonna know it every time. No, I think you have to, you have to make people feel uncomfortable, um, either. So they shut it down and it's not going around or it's not being said or done around you, or it makes them uncomfortable enough to where they look inward and decide to stop making people uncomfortable. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. But I think this topic can go on and on and on. Yeah. Um, And we've had some conversations. I like going back and talking about the podcast episode where we talked to um, almost 30 and we talked table flipping. Like I liked having those kind of conversations because it's one of those things where we get to hear those perspectives and we get to see what they're doing to ensure that they're not doing the tokenism thing, but, but pushing towards diversity. And I think that their platforms, like I've, I've been listening you know, pretty frequently hearing the conversations they're having and everybody should just be on that same wavelength of like, we're shutting down anything that's not about inclusion, you know? And I think that's where we're at. And these are great conversations. And I want to hear from everybody. And specifically like black, other black women, like we should connect. That's what I want to do. Maybe we invite some of our listeners on for a future episode where we bring our listeners in um I do that yeah maybe we start we don't have a go live sister we should go Girl, live. let's go live mm-hmm. shall we go live yeah i, I mean go live. we should so that we can talk to people because i've been wanting to hear like feedback and how other people are dealing with this because we're at home but we're yeah. still interacting on social and stuff so it's like you know I, I do do a lot of shade rooms, comment creeping, and I'm on Twitter talking mess all day long. Get it um, together. And I literally every, right now, my, my whole thing on Twitter is if they post something talking about, cause I follow all the police departments just to see, <laughs> and especially the ones in Austin. And if they be posting something about just, oh, this, like the last night somebody posted, this guy got 12 years for leaving a dog in a hot car. But excuse me, where is um, Breonna Taylor's, like, why is that murderer, why is that murderer still out, or her murderers, right? Right, And then this guy is in jail for a dog, overheating. And you know I love dogs. You know I, like, am obsessed with my animals. I know. But I thought about that, and I was like, this is a black a woman's life not worth more yeah. than a damn dog? Yeah. And so I that's my new hobby, too, is scrolling Twitter and talking mess. I'd be like, Brown Taylor, excuse me. This is not relevant. Let's figure out another way to make sure Black Lives Matter. Okay, look. Social media Black Lives Matter justice. For real, girl. It's well, hit us up in the comments. Let us know what you think. We're going to get together and figure out how we can go live to hear more from our listeners or maybe yeah. even have some listeners come in and record with us a future episode. So stay connected to learn more about that. Yeah. 
This is Allie J. And I'm Crystal O. And that's it for this week. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 12 p.m. Central for another episode of Not Your Token Black Girl. And also be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google. And follow me at Basic Alley on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Crystal O. 